0: Ed Martin and the Pro-America Report. On The Answer, San Diego. All right. Welcome. It's Ed Martin. It's Ed Martin's Pro-America Report. Glad you're here. Sorry about a little technical difficulties there. And it is, well, it's another busy, busy, interesting time. I have to say that the uh, the news doesn't stop, does it? I mean, it's incredible. Uh, I hope you've been watching. We talked about it last week. We talked it about it about again, again yesterday. General Flynn and the situation with General Flynn certainly is um, getting more... Uh, Um, Well, it's getting hotter. Is that the way to say it? There's more news today. We'll probably get a breakdown of that news uh, tomorrow on the show. I'm going to get another expert on. I want you to check in there. But Roger Stone, uh, we've been talking about Roger Stone's case for a few weeks now, too. And Roger Stone, in the matter of Roger Stone, it looks like there's emails back and forth from the FBI that are finally coming out again. You just have to wonder if anybody is getting a fair shake at this point from the Justice Department or at least uh, the FBI in the past. We'll find out. All right. But what you need to know. For months now, people have been talking about Joe Biden and his strength or weakness as a candidate. And I have been at first. I'll be the first to admit I thought he was a weak candidate. I didn't think he'd do well in the primaries. But as we have highlighted, Joe Biden is the favorite of the Democrat political class that wants to return to power. All around him are the political uh, uh, kind of. Uh, operatives and careerists that were in the Obama administration and the Clinton administration and in all the think tanks around town. And Joe Biden has become their vessel to go forward into the Oval Office. And so now they have a problem, right? He's barely coherent. He's in his basement. He's not really able when he was healthy and, and young, he was still somewhat gaffe prone. He got run out of two, I think, presidential elections because he you know, one, he was plagiarizing his speeches. That was in the 80s. And then in 2000, running against Barack Obama, he called him, I think, called Barack Obama a clean cut guy or something or something cleaned up or something. He was run out of those races when he was younger. He was gaff prone. Now he's barely functioning in terms of his ability to kind of interact and move. But we're stuck in this uh, Wuhan COVID coronavirus period, and he's in his basement, literally. I mean, you got to be, I got to be honest, if you're running for president, you've got to get a studio somewhere so you can say you're not in your basement. I mean, what kind of mindset doesn't understand that? You, you, You just have to build a little desk and a studio and do all your stuff from your office, your study I mean, you're not you're not a, a, a kid and you're not uh, I mean, you're not uh, you're running for president. You're not running for county council. I mean, I've, I've, I've run for county council. There's nothing wrong with it. But you, you're you not you're running for president. Get out of the basement, man. I mean, anyway, so but Joe Biden, he's barely functioning. And into that context, many of us started asked, asking who's going to run America if he's president? And he answered. And it's Susan Rice. And it's all the, the Obama Democrats, as I mentioned. Well, now comes this Me Too allegation that the Democrats uh, pushed off immediately, a woman named Tara Reid. And she alleged that back when she worked for the senator, she had some issues with him and she was very specific. And in the Me Too era, in the Me Too, you know, kind of system that they enforce... One of the key things is supposed to be that you had the opportunity for the abuse to take place. In other words, you know, if you can say, oh, so-and-so was in the room at the time, that's one of the things you have to... So here's a woman, she said she was in the room with Joe Biden over and over again, so there's the opportunity for it to happen. There's contemporaneous recounting of it, and initially the left and the Democrats said, well, nothing to see here. This is just a, you you know, this is 20 years ago, 15 years ago, shouldn't matter. And then... It turns out that, oh, there it is. Thank you. Uh, Somebody corrected me. Biden called Obama articulate, articulate. And uh, uh, but but what happened in the Tara Reid case is then also they had contemporaneous people. They said maybe her friend or her brother or whatever. And also now Tara Reid's mother called in to CNN back then, 20 plus years ago, and said, my daughter's had a tough time with some famous senator. What I don't know. We're not sure we're going to do about it. I'm not sure what she did. There is talk that she filed a complaint. We don't know because Joe Biden hasn't refused to release and open up for public inspection his Senate records. There's also a slush fund. You remember this? There's a slush fund up on Capitol Hill. I think it's $17 million of funds that were paid by tax, tax dollars to people who claimed harassment or mistreatment by members of Congress or their staff, or we don't know. It's all secret. So my point here is, If you're in the club, Congress, you know, U.S. House, U.S. Senate, you're going to be protected by the secrecy and nobody's going to know? Maybe. But here's the problem. So Tara Reid comes out with these allegations and people like Alyssa Milano, who were enforcers of the Me Too mindset. Remember, Senator Al Franken was pushed out of office by Senator Kirsten Gillibrand and others because he had pictures of him uh, goofing around inappropriately, completely. I mean, I wouldn't do it, but he got run out of office for it. Now we have Joe Biden, who has had admitted he had a problem with his standards and understanding that standards have changed in terms of how he touches people and how he hugs them and all. He admitted that, and he's had these allegations. Crickets. The mainstream media refused to cover it for I don't know three, four, five weeks. CNN is the is is the is the network, the uh, company that has the the. Um, Right to the archive of, of the Larry King, uh, 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 Larry King, Larry King show from the period where the mother called in and they didn't do anything. They hadn't covered the story at all. Except. Now there's another interview with more on the record comments of people from that time who said, yes, this woman said this is what happened. And by the way, I don't know if it's true. I wasn't in the room. I don't know anything about it. I have always said that whether it's Kavanaugh, where they, this seemed to me that Dr. Uh, Blasey Ford made that up. But I don't know. I wasn't there. She may have been assaulted by somebody. It may have been uh, a Kavanaugh. I don't think so. I think it's, it's made up. But I, I mean, I, I don't know. And I'd say with Terry, Reid, I'm not saying I know that Joe Biden's guilty. But here's the thing. She certainly deserves to be heard more than she is under their standard, under the Me Too standard. And here, but here's what you need to know. Joe Biden is going nowhere. He's not getting out of the race. He's not going to be replaced. All the people that think that stuff is going to matter. The left, someone asked me on a radio interview, they said, well, how could they go forward with this? They don't care. The left does not care about values. They don't care about principles. They care simply about power. And Joe Biden is not getting out of the race. He's not moving, not because he knows or cares. He does want to be president, but they could push him out in a minute. But he's not getting out of the race. And here's why. Because the media is engineering that Biden is up in the polls. Now, they're partly do or he's climbing in the polls. They're partly doing that because if you look back in history now, and I'll tell you this and you'll know it's true, but I'll say it and you may not have thought it. The media always makes it so that the race is close as we get closer to election day. Because why? Because their business model relies on it. So in the next couple of months, you're going to see these all this polling that, oh, my gosh, it's close. And in these states, it's close. And Biden is doing. And in order to get there, they've had to bump Biden up in the polls. And so the people that care only about power, not about Joe Biden, about getting back in power, the the, the Susan Rice's of the world and uh, Samantha Powers and all those people that were around Obama. They're all, you know, all the Eric Holder types and all their assistants and their and their deputies. They're all saying, oh, we can ride this candidate. We can ride this horse to the finish line. And we can do it. And so don't worry. Just keep him. In fact, keep him in the basement. Don't let him say anything. Don't let him get caught doing anything. Just keep him in the basement and we'll end up winning because by hook or crook, we'll have the media work with us on it. We'll use early voting. We'll use voter fraud, whatever it takes. We're going to go that way. But along the way, in order to make that work, they have to pump Biden up and they have to tell him that. And so they're not going to replace him because they're not going to tell him that he's failing. Now, he 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 is failing. He is, he is a failed candidate. He will not win the general election and it will be embarrassing, but he doesn't know that. And so he's being buffeted along by the powers that be and by big money. I mean, all the people we know the names, you throw them out, Soros and others, people know those names. There's lots of other people that names aren't familiar that care about the left and care about the winning and care about power and want to drive the country that direction. And they're in this. They're in this against Trump. They have been. And, you know, the other day on the, in Washington Post's uh, uh, op-ed page, Max Boot who some at some point said he was Republican. Now he said he voted for he vote for Hillary over Trump vote for Bloomberg over Trump. He's a never Trumper and he was spending his pages his ink talk uh, attacking Phyllis Schlafly and others. I mean is but what you need to know is Joe Biden is it's going to get worse. They're going to have all sorts of stories and he's not going anywhere pretty soon. They're accelerating this to try to shut it down. He'll pick this woman vice presidential candidate likely Kamala Harris and that person will be charged with saying give me a break, Joe's a great guy, don't worry about it, put your head down, don't worry about what people think, don't worry about what the feelings of women are, don't worry about me too, worry about winning, and that's what the democrats care about, and that's what they'll do. So for the people that are watching today the story break and they're saying, "Oh boy, wow, this is really terrible that he's going to have a real problem." It's not real. It's just not real. He he is it is a real problem, but it's not a real problem for politicians of the site of the of the side of the Democrats right now. So what you need to know is he's going nowhere. It doesn't matter how bad the Tara Reid story gets. It doesn't matter. He's just going to hang right in there, and he won't, qu- he won't quit. So there you have it. All right, we're going to take a break, and we'll be right back on the radio show. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Be right back. Ed Martin and the Pro-America Report. On The Answer San Diego. Welcome back. It's Ed Martin here in the Pro-America Report. And, you know, a story that we talked about uh, a week ago, maybe, and I remember because I was so torqued up over um, the difference between Alyssa Milano's response to uh, what they did to Judge Kavanaugh, then Judge Kavanaugh, Justice Kavanaugh, and what they're not doing uh, to the um, uh, presumptive Democrat nominee, Joe Biden, regarding these allegations against him by a woman named Tara Reid. And so I was all torqued about it. Well, uh, earlier in the week, one of my friends said, you know, you need to cover this a little more. And we we got Curtis Hauk on, who is over at Newsbusters, which is the Media Research Center, and he's the managing editor of Newsbusters. So he's going to fill us in and walk us through this. So, Curtis, welcome to the program. How are you? Great to be with you, Ed. Yeah, I'm hanging in. Yeah, it's, it's, it is, what it, is, what it, it is what it is, right? I mean, it's, uh, it is, um, we're all here where we are. So, Curtis, walk us through where this story is. I mean, one of the things that the, the, uh, Media Research okay. Center is so good about, and, and I'll put all this up on social media to get people paying attention to newsbusters and all, but they're so good about is, is sort of, Laying uh, bare the what the media is doing. So, what's the sort of trajectory of the Tara Reed story? She was a staffer of Biden years ago, and where are we in it? Walk us through it in the sort of thumbnail, and then tell us where we are today.
1: Yeah, so we just crossed. Saturday marked one month since uh, this. Um, you know, she first made her allegations known that, you know, she previously she had said that as a former Biden staffer, he had made her uncomfortable. But there was really no specific stories or allusions to anything like an assault uh, that we now know. So she came forward with that. Uh, she there were a number of interviews or press coverage, smatterings here and there. Uh, and there really wasn't really much of anything for, until through. Uh, The Media Research Center we have from March 25th to April 24th we have uh, about just over a minute on CBS four and a half minutes on MSNBC and about seven minutes on PBS and none of them and none of the networks you include ABC, NBC CNN as well Joe Biden has been interviewed by a number of these news outlets sometimes more than once uh, like in the case of CNN and he has never been asked about Terry Reid's allegations uh, statements that he made about her uh, that are just unseemly. Listeners can look them up themselves. Um, but uh, it was forcible assault. Uh, that's what she's alleging. So really, things blew out in the open when The Intercept, again, not to be con- this is not a conservative outlet by any stretch of the imagination, obviously, came out and said that, uh, alleging that Reed's mother called into a 1993 episode of Larry King Live uh, that was the focus of the episode was talking about life in Washington. Uh, and they took phone calls, like talk radio here, and uh, the mother talked about how her daughter had a really bad experience in Washington uh, but chose not to come forward with her story about a senator uh, to respect him. Uh, and Because right. she didn't want to. So since then, really, it's really blown the story out, you know, into – Uh, which should be out into the open, because here we have a tangible story. Here the voice of or appears to be the late mother of Tara Reid uh, talking about what's what happened, uh, which is already more than anything that was leveled at now. Justice Kavanaugh by not just Christine Blasey Ford, but Deborah Mears, Julie Swetnick, any of these uh, news outlets, uh, you know, liberal partisans uh, or activists. Uh, during his confirmation hearing, uh, but since then we've only had about 15 minutes on CNN. None of no other outlet, television outlet, obviously other than Fox News, has covered this to any degree.
0: Is and we're talking with Curtis Hauka at NewsBusters, and 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 Curtis, um, here's one way to describe the 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 the, the difference in the Kavanaugh case there was an allegation that no one could corroborate Uh, You know, couldn't put Kavanaugh in the same room with her. She said it was so, you know, as I've always said, I wasn't there. I don't know. But there's no one that could say, yeah, yeah, I remember that night Kavanaugh was there. In fact, there was evidence that Kavanaugh said he wasn't there because he had a calendar and other things. And so and there was no witnesses of that and all the difference here is that um, Ms. Reed could say I worked for him during this period and they could people could describe that there was sort of in the the Me Too uh, vernacular, there was opportunity for the incident to have occurred because they were present, they worked together, and all that. So it's night and day, and yet, li- literally, I think, almost—well, maybe not literally—and I shouldn't say it. almost no coverage by the media that swarmed Kavanaugh, right? <laughs>
1: Right. Exactly. And then we found out on Monday, uh, according to a piece in Business Insider, even more corroborating witnesses. I mean, uh, Reed's mother has passed, but we have the Larry King uh, call and The New York Times also has uh, uh, her brother, uh, Reed's brother. Uh, saying that he did recall something like that half-traumatic and assault-related happening to his sister uh, in the early 1990s. And now we have, in the Business Insider, a neighbor of hers in the mid-1990s, 1995 and 1996, uh, and that she claims that Tara told her the story that winds up exactly from what we hear now. Uh, and reading from Business Insider Rick Q, she recalls Re- Tara telling her about the assault, that she worked for Senator Biden, and that, you know, all the details of the story matched up with what I've heard from others who were corroborating. Uh, and they made clear, this per- neighbor made clear that she is still going to vote for Joe Biden. So if there's any sort of partisan, you know, angle here saying, oh, the president, you know, this person's a supporter of the president uh, or just someone who doesn't like Joe Biden. That's not the case at all. This person has come out and said that they will vote for Joe Biden. They don't want Donald Trump to be president, but they think they believe in doing the right thing. And really, I think that's what's separating uh, this story from the others, whereas it's all it was all about power the last time. Anyone who said, oh, it's about women and decency and morals and uh, this, that and the other, they have now proven whether it's Senator Gillibrand or the news media or any other Senate Democrats, as the Daily Caller has reached out to, and none have been able to respond, it's proven that they're total frauds.
0: Uh, we're talking with uh, Curtis Howkin. It's over NewsBusters dot org. I'll put it up there, and 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 he has a piece a few days ago uh, that I'm uh, um, talking about this. We're talking about the Tara Reid situation, and and before though, I, I I let you slip away. I I noticed one of your columns, uh, Curtis, um, uh, maybe yesterday on one of the reporters in these White House uh, press conferences yeah. Yeah. where the task force briefings where they act like lunatics and they basically are you know advertising. They're they're, they're sort of they're, they're trying out not advertising, the wrong word, auditioning. They're auditioning for their turn as you know kind of the the lefts uh, star they all want to be Acosta you know so there was one where um, the the reporter from the New York Times magazine or no New York magazine sorry not New York Times the New York magazine uh, jumped up and said you know do you deserve reelection since more have died uh, from the virus than in Vietnam it was an insane question and you know I think the president's getting better at sort of deflecting but I want to ask you Curtis you cover for newsbusters you cover a lot of this at, at this point is there Any hope of the media generally becoming valuable again? I mean, can you listen to any of it? I mean, you must shake your head. It's so insane. But, Mm -hmm. you know, are there any bastions? Even Fox News seems to get down the silly path, too. I mean, how bad is this?
1: Well, I will say that the idea, I mean, yes, uh, I have reached a point certain days where I'm like, man, this is really hazardous to like my health, my mental health here. This is like pretty ridiculous hearing talk about 2021 and 2022 being locked down this world with no NFL football or college
0: football this far? Are you <laughs> kidding me? Well.
1: Um, like the idea of reform, the only way that's going to happen is from the inside. That These news networks, these news executives are going to have to decide that they want to put actual journalism answering the who, what, where, one, why, and how, giving the public the best set of facts and it possible information to make informed decisions about how to go about their lives. Um, they have to make that decision themselves to promote the, the journalists out there, because there are some who want to do that job. But right now, what we're seeing is people like Jim Acosta or Olivia Newsy or her boyfriend, Ryan lizza with Politico or Philip Rucker the Washington Post that just want to promote their books. They want to promote their brand. Uh, and then they'll go on Brian Stelter's little show on Sundays and uh, huff about Fox News being what ails america's body politics. Uh, when actually, I really think it's CNN, MSNBC, the New York Times, Washington Post that are really the real uh, poison pills that we're having to deal with right now. And it's a shame. We, don't want, we want a healthy media in this country, but that's not what we're getting.
0: Yeah. Well, and Curtis Hauck, I should just point out for our listeners that newsbusters.org, you got to go check it out. Also, his, his, uh, complaints about the NFL, he's a Penn State grad. So he's already, he's already tracking that the Penn State is ranked, I think, eighth. Is it eighth next year preseason poll? And they're playing uh-huh. at Virginia Tech. And, but they're also playing Ohio State. Iowa's tough schedule. It's tough schedule. So, but there's a football guy. So Curtis Hauck, thank you, Curtis. And, uh, we'll make sure newsbusters.org. It's very, very useful. Uh, great work from the Media Research Center and, uh, appreciate your time. We'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here in the Pro America Report. Be right back. Ed Martin and the Pro America Report on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back, it's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report, great to be with you. A couple of months ago, I can't remember, I'm embarrassed I didn't pull it up because I was looking at her other stuff, we had our next guest on the show talking about her book. The book is called Living Beloved, Lessons from My Little Ones About the Heart of God, and uh, it is a good book, really is, and, and also I can tell you, if you don't believe me, some of my ego leaders uh, who are smarter and, and tougher and greater than me uh, uh, read the book and got it, and, and we had a bunch of copies, so it's a really cool book, and uh, it is from our folks over at uh, Focus on the Family, uh, great stuff. So, but Aaron Hawley, who is in her own right an accomplished lawyer and, and practices, as I mentioned, clerk for the Supreme Court, she wrote a piece, which is great. In this time, uh, we're going through kind of taking on the Harvard uh, professor, uh, Harvard Law School professor, who wrote about homeschooling. And so, Aaron Hawley's piece is uh, over at thefederalist.com. It's called Why Banning Homeschooling is an Idiotic and Unconstitutional Idea. So, welcome back, Aaron. How are you? Great!
2: Thanks so much for having
0: me. So, and I'm sure I, I, you're doing well. I know you have two young children. I'm sure you're doing fine and uh, and hanging in there. And I, we watch, of course, uh, with interest your husband's exploits and, and encourage him uh, every day. It seems. But hey, first, let me ask you: You're you're a writer. You've been a writer. I mean you've been a writer and a, and a lawyer and all. So the headline: Why banning homeschooling is an idiotic and uncustomable idea. Is that your title? I love doing this because sometimes it's not. Is that your title?
2: <laughs> so, so I actually didn't pick that <laughs> um, to, to be. Uh, I wondered. Um, but but, yep. but I think it probably does um, encapsulate sort of my feelings um, in the piece, um, as yeah. you mentioned, um, Professor Barzleit. She wants to ban homeschooling. She uh, says all sorts of horrible things about homeschooling and homeschooling parents, and she advocates in favor of a presumptive ban on homeschooling. And even though it's not my title, <laughs> I think that that idea right. is idiotic um, and also uh, certainly <laughs> unconstitutional uh, under our Supreme Court precedent.
0: Well, and and first, let me ask you, Aaron. Um, and I, I, I know I knew that because if you know Aaron Hawley, and I do know her, I should re- reveal um, she probably you probably don't use idiotic in a sentence too often about <laughs> things or others. It's just kind of a different. You're a different. But but I know I know I, editors, and they're trying to get people to read it, and it's a strong piece. Um, now, let me ask you first about the constitutionality of it, and and I mentioned this to someone who is is um, homeschooling, and they actually came right back and said, if you do what this professor did at Harvard Law School, the way they're thinking. Thinking, they're basically saying you have to be in the public schools. That's your only choice. But walk us through sort of the law of this a little bit right now in terms of homeschooling.
2: Absolutely. Well, thankfully, the Supreme Court, um, our Supreme Court, has said that uh, the right of parents to direct the education of their children is one of our longest protected liberty interests. Uh, they said that pretty recently, and this uh, sort of liberty interest in directing the right uh, or directing the the education of our children comes from a case called Pierce versus Society of Sisters. Um, and in that case, uh, the court upheld the rel- upheld the right excuse me, of religious parents uh, to homeschool their children. And since that time, the court has time and again affirmed that parents have not only a high calling and duty, uh, but a responsibility to provide to the education of their children. And they can choose to do that by homeschooling. They can choose to do that by sending them to private schools, be they religious or otherwise, or they can choose to do that by sending them to public school. And the state has some responsibility to set standards and those sorts of things. Uh, But The Supreme Court has been really clear that the state's right to sort of generalize our children uh, bows to parents' liberty interests in directing the education of their own kiddos.
0: Well, and, it, and we're talking, again, we're talking with Aaron Holly and I mentioned she's an author. The book is living beloved uh, focus on the family. I did it. And she's also uh, a fellow over at the independent women's forum. And I'll put that up on uh, senior legal fellow. I should say at the independent women's law center. Sorry. Um, and uh, but, and so the, the protection is there. I guess I want to say this though, in a world where so many things have changed so fast, I'm not, not, not I'm not being at all facetious. Like we have people wanting to, you know, uh, close down this and stop that. And we want, you know, it changes so fast. I guess the thing is, we ought to be talking about that right. I mean, in other words, parents have to understand they do, because a lot of our parents, you'll hear them, they say, well, this is what the public school says we should do, and therefore they're allowing it to happen. Well, you have more, you have more control and more rights than that, right?
2: Absolutely. And it's a right, as you say, that we really need to exercise, because it's crazy and it's off base as I think Professor Bartholet's views are, uh, there are countries in Europe that have banned homeschooling. Uh, Germany, for example, yes. uh, you can't homeschool. And so I think it is um, important that we protect this right, um, that our Supreme court um, has upheld, um, and that we're active in promoting our homeschooling parents who do a great job of educating their children um, and just push back on this idea that homeschooling is somehow subpar um, or any of the other bad things. Um, the Professor Bartholet says it is.
0: You know, it... it, it Again we're talking we're talking with Aaron Holly you know Aaron it's interesting in my my wife's family is from uh, my wife is from north of LA uh, right near the Reagan library actually in Simi Valley but but we were my mother-in-law who was a teacher was telling us that out in California the the schools actually will will encourage the homeschoolers to link up with the school because they want to count the student towards the headcount because they, there's a way that they may they make sure, money they into get, the, more money. get money into the system. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean it's it's but 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 at least it is it is a way, you know, one of the things that's happening to our parents is they're overwhelmed by this, right? Homeschooling is people think, oh homeschooling, well, you know, there's lots of stuff on the internet. It's <laughs> trust me, it's really hard and it's a real challenge. There's lots of resources, but it's not like you mm-hmm. um, what we've had happen in my opinion is the, the our way of living sort of tell you oh yeah you know your kids are going to go to school from eight in the morning until four or five and play sports and and mm-hmm. five days a week and some on the weekend and that's mm-hmm. the lifestyle and homeschooling requires a whole different mindset shift that i'm not sure people but get around what's your sense though you were you were you know you've been through the the academy and you taught at the mm-hmm. university of missouri uh in columbia too so you've been sort of in this how uh How bad, how, um, uh, out of, uh, kilter with homeschooling, with our mentality, is the academy? You know, I
2: think it's pretty bad, and to um, take one of Professor Bartholet's views, she actually says um, that abusive parents are free to keep their children at home, and some do it for this reason. Um, She also Mm -hmm. has a real problem with any parent who keeps their children home for religious reasons. Um, And this is just really out of step and concerning, as you mentioned, um, and as both of our families are currently experiencing because of coronavirus, (laughs) we are homeschooling our children, um, and it is not easy. It takes an incredible amount of effort and um, input and investment in our children. And this is something that homeschooling parents do each and every day. Um, They keep them home because they think that's what's best and because they want to invest in their children individually. Um, I think of one of my dear friends from Yale Law School, and she's got four children at home. Um, She was homeschooling even before the pandemic. And her Mm -hmm. kindergartner is reading at a grade three level. Um, And that's not (laughs) because um, she's abusive. Um, It's because she's Uh investing daily um, in her children. And I just think that it's really off base um, for the academy to suggest otherwise.
0: Again, we're talking with Erin Hawley, Senior Legal Fellow, Independent Women's Law Center. It's at the Independent Women's Forum and also her book I love to mention because I I, I like the book a lot and Mm -hmm. I love focus on the family and what they're doing. And Tim Gagline's a dear friend. And Living Beloved is this book that came out in 2018. It's really good about raising, it's called Lessons from My Little Ones about the heart of God. It's really uh, as much a, it's a book about parenting or being a mom but it's also about faith and a journey so it's pretty cool Um, Aaron do you think that um, and I hate to it's a little bit more political but you know Rahm Emanuel my great teacher of how to never let a crisis go to waste as he said famously or however the phrasing but one thing I wonder about is in Fairfax County where I live in Virginia the, the public school system has not been able even though they have literally a gazillion dollars I'm not good at math but it's somewhere just under a gazillion dollars for their school system and they can't get the online to work even though they have computer Everywhere mm-hmm. and all that. So, but here we are. And, but I think one of the things about this crisis. Aside from the questions of how we live together and how we dine out someday and go to sporting events, which all matter, one thing I think people are going to do is say, hey, wait a second, is this education system working and what can I get instead for my kids? And I wonder if it couldn't be that this is part of a moment where we say, you know what, this system is old and has been put in place by a lot of powers, unions, other things that are not exactly for our kids and we could see a real change. What do you think of that?
2: I think that there is definitely some potential for that. I think um, although it can be challenging um, to have kids at home and teach them in addition to keep up with work and everything that parents are doing, it's also a real blessing um, to have your children at home and to be able to spend more time with them and to be able to be invested in their schoolwork. And I think a lot of parents are discovering that and say, hey, maybe maybe this is, is something for me or maybe I do something extra with my kids in terms of schoolwork or yeah. maybe I'm involved in school um, in another way. So I think parents are gaining probably an even greater greater appreciation uh, for teachers, but also maybe seeing seeing ways in which they might become more invested in their children's uh, education in the future.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, what I kind of think is that, you know, I wonder if there can't be, can't be sort of um, like hybrids where, you know, because, um, mm-hmm. you know, you, you say, I'm going to send my, my children to school for this kind of thing. There's some of this, you see the homeschooling co ops where you're together for certain right. things. But um, that even in the, I wonder if even in the public schools, because I'm hearing from my neighbors and friends that are in public schools, their kids are, that they're frustrated by uh, that, um, by the, the, the public schools. And they're saying, how can't, why can't this be more effective for my kids? But, Aaron, thank you very much. Thanks for taking the time. I know you have a busy, busy raising uh, a husband like yours and two children is a challenge so uh aaron holly living beloved is her book which i'll put up on social media and i'll put other information in the and the column that she wrote is uh, over at uh federalist com. why banning homeschooling is not so nice and an unconstitutional idea by aaron holly thanks aaron for taking the time and we'll be in touch soon
2: thanks so much appreciate it
0: All right. Thanks very much. We'll take a quick break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Be right back. Ed Martin and the Pro-America Report on The Answer San Diego. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily commentary continuing the conservative pro-family legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. New York is the 13th state to grant driver's licenses to illegal aliens. It's a horrible left-wing policy that helps illegals evade law enforcement. However, the Empire State isn't just one of the pack on this bad idea. New York went even further by banning the sharing of information about DUIs based on the stereotype that Hispanic immigrants are disproportionately convicted of driving under the influence. To make sure this reckless policy doesn't endanger American lives, President Trump's Department of Homeland Security announced that it would no longer let New Yorkers participate in safe travel programs like Global Entry and Nexus. New York's radical state attorney general promptly filed a lawsuit against DHS, but it's becoming less likely that a holdover Obama judge will be able to stop Trump policies from taking effect. With nearly 200 judges appointed by Trump to the federal courts, including 50 to the all-important Courts of Appeals, actions by the Trump administration are no longer slapped down like they were before. Hillary Clinton tried to take a moderate position on the issue of driver's licenses for illegal aliens back in 2008, However, by 2016, Hillary had shifted to the more radical position espoused by the open borders lobby. In 2020, no leading Democrat is allowed to say what Hillary said in 2008. Every Democrat in the presidential campaigns insisted that anyone who entered the country illegally had a right to stay here permanently and become a voting citizen, protected by state and local government against federal law enforcement and deportation. President Trump has long spoken out against harboring criminal aliens in sanctuary cities. He appears with the victims or their survivors like Jamil Shaw, Marianne Mendoza, and Ronil Singh. Attorney General William Barr promised a significant escalation of the government's war against sanctuary cities, counties, and states that have openly defied federal immigration laws in their jurisdictions. Barr announced new lawsuits against New Jersey and King County, Washington. Now the Democrats' worst fears are being realized. Their own failed impeachment has unleashed Trump. The president is putting the pedal to the metal, executing the agenda he ran on in 2016. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report with Ed Martin, president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. What's the latest on building the wall to protect our southern border? To the liberal media, it's a joke. But the crisis of illegal aliens is no laughing matter. At phyllisschlafly.com, we're asking serious questions regarding what to build, who's paying for it, and how best to deploy our military. Go to phyllisschlafly.com and join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. I mentioned to some of you, if you were listening earlier on, you might have heard me mention it fleeting. I do a weekly webinar. I do a a weekly webinar over at... um Phyllis It's the pro, pro it's called the pro America project. I do a weekly webinar that's called the Constitution according to President Trump. It's been about nine sessions, eight or nine sessions so far, About usually between 30 and 45 minutes. And I take questions all on Zoom. I've been doing it on Zoom before uh, this uh, whole thing hit. Anyway, I was doing it for uh, folks. And today I do them on, on Wednesdays. Today's segment was on uh, the 14th Amendment's Due Process Clause, but in a specific way, a- a- applying it to what's called Brady v. Maryland. The Brady versus Maryland case from 1963, the U.S. Supreme Court decided the case. And it said that basically the prosecutor in a criminal case has to play fair with the defendants and his lawyers to make sure that you can kind of survive this system, that you can't have—and and, and, and very specifically— If there's information in the prosecution's possession that is what's called exculpatory, then you have to turn it over. And so, in fact, the quote is from from Justice Douglas, says this, quote, We now hold that the suppression by the prosecution of evidence favorable to an accused upon request violates due process where the evidence is material either to guilt or to punishment. Society wins not only when the guilty are convicted, but when criminal trials are fair. So what has come to mean all down these years is a Brady request from a defendant, is must be honored by the prosecution, and they must turn over any evidence that would be material and would be material uh, to the guilt or punishment of the per of the person. Meaning stuff that might be favorable. So and and over the years, it's been developed that, you know, you have to give over things that are not just favorable to the defendant, but also the prosecution. If they have side deals with uh, with witnesses that, you know, get the witness doesn't get any jail time if they testify against that has to all come out so that the accused can get the whole playing field and see it and be able to judge what to do and how to fight back and how to get their fighting chance in court or to plead guilty because they know, oh, this is the situation. That's the possibilities. What is developing, and the reason I did that episode, the webinar episode today, and what you, you know, need to track here, and I'm warming, you know, warming up to tell you all that, is the Brady issue has been a big one for a few years now, especially because Sidney Powell, the very well-known lawyer and lecturer, has been talking about it since she wrote a book in 2014. The book is called License to Lie. You can go to licensetolie dot com and see Tammy, excuse me, see Sydney's book there and more about it. But Sydney Powell also, besides writing a book and being a lecturer and being a, a high-profile lawyer, she also uh, earlier, well, less than a year ago, became the lawyer for General Flynn, and she took over from his lawyers who were kind of swamp lawyers from D.C., big firm lawyers. Maybe he made a good choice, maybe he didn't. I don't care to judge that. And she took over and she said, "Hey, we got to get to the bottom of this." And one of the questions she asked. Of the prosecution is do we have all the Brady material I request all the Brady material and the prosecution said oh yeah yeah of course of course of course we gave everything well about earlier this year the Attorney General Bill Barr assigned a prosecutor the a US Attorney for the Eastern District of Missouri his name is Jeff Jensen he's a, a good guy I know him I went to law school with him actually And Barr said to Jensen, you need to review this file on our behalf. We're the prosecutors in this case. I want you to look at the Flynn thing. There's been a lot of talk and a lot of public uh, hype. It it looks a little funny. Go through this file and see if there's been any problems with Brady compliance. And lo and behold, last week, it has been revealed by Jeff Jensen in filings to the court that first they turned over. They gave to uh, General Flynn that, in fact, there were materials that were, in fact, Brady-eligible, Brady eligible, Brady, you know, Brady disclosures that were never given over by the prosecutors, by the FBI. Well, the prosecutors would be the one that give it over, but it's FBI uh, uh, files. That's insane. That's insane. And earlier today, more of that, I'm, I'm told, more of that is coming out. This is an insane thing for this country to be going through, that a, a defendant of that high profile would be basically dealing with prosecutors who didn't shoot straight, and the answer so far is that, oh, they lost some of them. They've lost some documents that they couldn't turn over. That's one reason they didn't turn over the, for example, the 302 is a draft of an interview, the famous interview where they interviewed Flynn in the White House. They lost that. That's a draft document. And then now they're saying some of these other things. They just don't know. what you know, we didn't know to look. We didn't know where to look. All these kind of things. Here's what I'm telling why I'm telling you this. And we got to wrap things up. I told you yesterday and last week the General Flynn situation was coming to a head. And I told you yesterday and last week that it was very bad in the sense that it, it sheds a terrible light on our institutions. Well, just watch for the language of today. You may, they may not call it Brady material today and tomorrow and this week, but they're talking about the prosecution's known duty to disclose. They all knew it. These are powerful big-time prosecutors, and they didn't. It's very, very damning. It's good for Flynn. It's probably about to get out from under this whole thing, but it's bad for the country. All right, we got to take a break. I mean, not take a break. We got to wrap things up. We'll be back tomorrow night, though, with a lot more. It's Ed Martin here in the Pro America Report. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow. All the best.